Thanks for tuning in to Voices in DevOps. If you enjoy this podcast, please check out John's reports and blogs on gigaohm.com, where he covers all things DevOps, data, and strategy, addressing many of the topics covered in Voices in DevOps. Hello and welcome to this uh, episode of um, Voices in DevOps, and I'm here to speak to... I'm Thomas Boyles. <laughs> Sorry. So we're here at uh, Power Up, which is uh, Source Lab's uh, kickoff for uh, 2019. That's right. I can't believe it's 2019 already. That's just scary. I can't either. It's uh, crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so, we're, yeah, uh, that's going to be... Suddenly it'll be 2020, and... Uh, it's um, life is happening far too fast. Yes, but that's is. a digression. So we're here to talk about DevOps. We're here to talk about you. And so maybe to to kick off, so just tell me a bit about yourself and, and your role and what you're doing here sure. at Source Labs and, and so on and so forth. Sure, sure. So uh, as I mentioned, I'm Thomas Boyles. I'm the director of platform services here at Sauce. Um, essentially, uh, as a engineering director, I'm responsible for multiple teams. Uh, one of the teams is kind of the back end guts of the app. Um, and I tend to describe myself as everything that isn't the cloud and isn't the user experience. Um, I do also have a front-end facing uh, performance metrics kind of greenfield team that I'm responsible for too. But uh, mm-hmm. a large part of my energy just goes into making sure that the backend is efficient and that things function and the customers are able to get their tests in good time and that it's a good sort of like user experience for them from the, the web driver angle. So. Mm-hmm. And, uh well, I get, we'll get, there's a question I want to ask, but I'm not going to ask it yet, but I'll ask it now so sure. that you're prepared for it. Sure, sure. Uh, are you doing DevOps? Yes, That's, we are. Okay, yeah, so we definitely we'll, are. We'll, we'll come back to that. So, so <laughs> how did you get into this then? What's, what's your background? So originally, I, I come at this from uh, sort of almost a, just I'm good at tech and that's kind of what drove me. I don't have a CS degree. I self-educated myself and I happened to be friends with a bunch of people who were in tech in the 90s in Chicago and as soon as I finished my film degree, I just didn't want to go into it and they gave me a job and I kind of worked my way up through operations and into development and, and into you know more DevOpsy stuff and when I migrated to California in 2003, a lot of things were starting to kind of come around, you know, including like, you know, just better CI/CD processes, and and that really kind of struck a nerve for me. So I, I got into release engineering and and kind of more DevOpsy practices okay. and advanced there. And you know, a couple of years ago, I had uh, kind of finished up my commitments at my previous shop and had been sort of stalking Sauce for a while. They uh, they kind of were a very cool brand, and I really wanted to see what they were doing. And oh, okay. Submitted my resume, and it turned out it was a good fit. So uh, lo and behold. Two and a half years later, I'm here. So you, the job that you're doing now, was that the job you were recruited for? Yeah, yeah. It, it's, uh, it's, it's more highly scoped. So mm-hmm. I started as a manager, I'm now a director. Okay. Uh, and you gave me the title, but what's it mean in terms of the so, role? I mean, for a director, it, it's really you're, you're managing managers and you're managing multiple teams. Mm-hmm. Um, and in this case, it's just engineering teams. So a, a large part of the role is making sure that you know developers are happy that they're productive that they're really kind of pushing themselves and working well within the constraints of agile we're a big agile shop um i interface a lot with the product owners i am also a product owner which is a bit of an anti-pattern but it seems to work for one of the teams um and yeah it's really just kind of part coach part advocate you know Uh part like uh guys like i needed to get together and read this you know like this is important stuff so so and you're coming into it from the point of view of um you're a DevOps shop. Yeah, we are. So what, what does that mean in practice? So for us, we, for starts, we, we have a real owner-operator mentality. So mm-hmm. when, when Sauce uh, conceives of a, a change, an idea, a feature, it's really the job of that team that's working on it to get it from 
ideation all the way to production. So mm -hmm. you know, a given team, they're doing their own deploys and, and they're doing their own config. And, and one of the things that was kind of a point of maturation uh, for Sauce was getting out of the scope where you just had like you know, 20 engineers that did it all into some, some people that were a little more specialized, operations engineers, network people, DBAs. Um, but we still work incredibly closely with them and it, it's a really nice feedback loop. I've often been at shops that were the antithesis of DevOps, where there was a real, you know, concrete wall in between dev and operations, mm -hmm. and, and a lot of bad feedback loops, you know, result in that. This isn't that way, you know. And as much as we might have a challenge trying to figure something out, we really are partners in, in how we kind of move forward, and we're always looking for ways to optimize the organizational constructs to improve that. And sometimes it's cross-functional. Sometimes you do need specialists, you know, like having a cross-functional team with like a network engineer on it might not be the best use of that person's time, for example, but. But yeah, in, in general, it seems to work out really well and, and we can move really fast. And uh -huh. It's always a really nice learning experience, too, for us because in, in the sense that, you know, we are at the point where we need specialists, you know, specialized developers, specialized systems engineers, um, they're coming at things from a different culture. And the fact that there is a lot of transparency and, and cross-communication, they really learn from each other and they kind of, you know, they expand. It's almost like working with people from different, you know, national cultures, you know. Was it as... Uh, mature is that the right word? As, as, as it is now, when you when you oh, joined? No, not at all. Okay. Not at all. I mean, so no. it, that's what I'm interested in—the kind of transition from. Yeah. What's the journey been? The, the journey has been interesting because you know we really when when I first started we were really growing fast and we were really struggling with a lot of kind of infrastructural problems and and they grew the uh, ops team out rather quickly. You know, like added a lot of really good top talent, um, and there was a lot of uh, kind of like storming before norming to really kind of figure out what the best balance was and and it's it's always hard you know especially if you get people that don't know what devops is supposed to be mm -hmm. you know because everybody's heard the phrase but they don't really understand necessarily how to implement it uh, you can come up with a lot of like signal noise around how you're supposed to do things and and what's right and what's wrong so but yeah i mean i i do want to say like one key factor was actually educating people and and coming up with conversations about what the what the definition of it really is and just, you know, getting people to read Jim, Jane Kim's books and, uh -huh. and, you know, getting people involved in the community and, and getting them to like go and actually like mix it up with other people and kind of get their experience. So it's, it's something that's difficult to um, analyze in survey terms, but I, yeah. I have a feeling that a lot of people sort of talk the talk without necessarily walking the walk. They haven't necessarily yeah. uh, internalized everything. So they, they may be doing lots of iterations, but oh, yeah, who knows how useful they're being. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you have to have you have to have leadership that really understands what that means and that are really bought in, and then you need to create uh, the right kind of pressure to like make sure people don't fall back on old habits when they're, you know, when they're stressed because that's a very human nature kind of thing to mm. do. You have to tell them like, no, it's okay. We're going to work through this process. We'll learn, and like I, I understand this isn't like your comfortable spot, but it will be, and it'll be okay. Trust us. You know. I've got a theory on that. <laughs> back in the day, as a um as we were talking about earlier, when I was a DSTM guy. Yeah. Just, uh, uh, interestingly, thinking about DSTM today, I think it was essentially old school people trying to think agile things. Yeah. It's a bit cool. like you know how elephants might think they should do ballet. Oh yeah. Uh, as opposed to ballet dancers designing it from the ground up. <laughs> but, but it was good as far as it. So it was kind of you know you, you, it was. Uh, it was a slow and uh, that, that's unfair because it, it, it had nine principles and as long as you did the nine principles, you were okay. That's a lot of principles. But <laughs> isn't it? Kind of. Uh, but anyway, uh, I had the theory that came up at the time. Essentially, uh, that, that all the 
big luminary. I mean, you mentioned Gene Kim. There's also you know Kent Beck and oh, yeah. uh, Alistair Coben and all, all these people, these names that are kind of and. Uh, uh, so the theory is around the, the guru's dilemma. So what happens is any of these people goes into an organization. Have you heard the, this is a bit of a digression, that the queen thinks everywhere smells of fresh paint? Oh, that's very interesting. Because they always, yeah. they always paint just before she goes. So, she, <laughs> so I, I think these people go into a place and everyone does the right thing. Yeah. And then after they leave, it's got a decay curve where they try and keep it going. Yeah. And then they revert to type yeah. over time. Um, and so as far as they're concerned, it always works. Right. So, um, right. They never see any bad feedback because why would you? I mean, it would be like Kelsey Hightower coming in and like you show them your one good cluster and you're like, well, great, this is working well, you know? Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. exactly. No, that's interesting. So, I mean, what would you say um, are the biggest lessons that you learned in terms of internalizing um, and moving away from just trying to talk the talk and actually taking it on board? Um, I, I don't think you can wing it. This is actually one of the biggest lessons that we learned over the last year. Like you really actually have to be uh, very structured and you need real advocates and you need to really train people and you need to find ways to constantly check back in and measure like what success is. Um, if you just, I mean, it's the same thing with like an agile transformation. You can't just give people the elements of Scrum and tell them to read it and expect them to know what they're doing. Like you actually have to send them to Scrum training and you really need agile coaches and, and somebody somebody needs to be that that thought leader and, and that person that's kind of holding it and, and making sure it's kind of worked into the, the structural matrix of what that organization is. And mm -hmm. If you don't have it, I mean, you can get things out of it, but it's not the same as really like owning it. So that's measuring it or? I, and measuring it helps because you, you want to make sure if you're going to give people goals and if you're going to hold them to account, you need to show them how you're holding them to account. Mm. And that really gives them like a very clear cut sense of like, okay, I need to do these things. Like how easy was it to like get an iteration between the teams or how cross-functional are we versus how many times do we have to go and reach out to another team in a quarter to get something done? Mm -hmm. I mean, those are, those are the kinds of things that you could measure that would show you that. And, and you know, when, when you measure and, and especially what you evaluate with, with, with measurement, that can be a really powerful tool because it, it influences how people behave. So. Mm -hmm. Okay, you don't have to answer this. Not at all. But I'm going to ask it anyway. Sure. In terms of kind of would you put yourself up at the ninja level of uh, as a team, uh, as an organization, or are you still kind of? Oh, I mean, we from zero to ten in terms of DevOps ninja status. Just out of pure humility, like a six or a seven. Okay. Know? I mean, there's there's always there's always ways to go, and and one thing with Sauce that's always a very interesting conundrum is we are moving very fast. You know, like we have real scaling challenges that we have to deal with and oftentimes you know like we're not able to make the sort of hiring changes that we need to fully go cross-functional in some areas and uh -huh. in some cases it's just not practical versus the timing but you know we were very serious about moving in that direction and we also know you know the the numbers are in on the payoff you know and, and we know we're going to get a huge benefit if we're doing it right so we're constantly trying to push that envelope and, and move it forward so, so uh, t turning to testing mm -hmm. then um, you just move your uh, zip away from yes. this thing. No I'm Sorry. sure that'll be fine. But I, there you go. I'm sure it's fine. Um, turning to testing. Sure. Um, that's what you guys do. Uh, we've been talking about uh, testing and the DevOps process and whether it kind of gets in the way. Yeah. Um, what's, what's your view on? Uh, I don't quite know how to put this. Does does DevOps actually? not exist unless it's a well-formed 
process incorporating testing? Or do you see organizations go through stages where they kind of reluctantly have to bring in the notion of testing into their DevOps cycle? I mean, I, I, don't, know that, I don't know that software really exists unless you have some semblance of testing. So I, I think it's even more fundamental than that. Um, really, oh, I like that. Yeah, I mean, if you, if you think <laughs> about it, it's, it's like a mathematical proof, right? Like, like, yes, you know, like two plus two equals four, any child knows that. But when it's at a certain level of complexity, you have to be able to go back and check it because you won't be able to figure it out by yourself. Any, mm. any reasonably sized software project is like that. And, and there's, there's just no, like, how could you be successful without even like a certain level of coverage in some sense? Um, but for us, when we think about how we inform DevOps, it's really about helping people shift left. And it's really about making that kind of a less frictionful thing. And, you know, hopefully it should bring them joy, like the ability to do you know, a, a battery of functional tests before you actually are shipping something into a larger ecosystem should actually make your lives easier. It'll make you look better, you know. It, it should make you sleep better at night because you're not getting called mm -hmm. by a production operations team saying, hey, your shit broke. <laughs> like, please come and fix it. You know, so for us, I mean, it, it really is kind of how do you, how do you be more self-sufficient? How do you, how do you empower yourselves and, and take pressure off the overall system? For, for someone who didn't do computer science, that's quite a scientist kind of approach of empiricism in the, <laughs> If you can't measure it, then it doesn't exist. It's a big deal. Uh, yeah. And also, if you can't prove that it's true, yeah. then yeah. the chances of it being false are quite high. That's right. Yeah. And um, I mean, you know, like it's, there's, I've been, I've been reading a lot about measurement specifically lately. And, and oftentimes, you know, there's, there's this fallacy where people will say, like, it's just too expensive to measure or like, I don't know how to measure that. And really, those are exactly fallacies. Like, you should be able to figure out at least something that you can either figure out a specific number or a range, and that should tell you something about what you're doing, and, and you can be empowered by that. It, mm. it, it expresses your level of uncertainty, and it helps to like drive you down to like a lower level so you can be more informed. And from an engineering manager standpoint, that's gold, you know, as is from a product owner. So. Yeah, it's, it's uh, well, there's two aspects that popped into my head. One is, I don't know if you've ever spoken to kind of formal methods people and, and so on. They, they take that stuff way too seriously. Yes. <laughs> well, this is the other angle of it. So the like, proofs and the... You have to be comfortable with a lack of precision because it's not necessarily about being perfectly precise. It's more about reducing your uncertainty. And if you can, if you can have that sort of sit easily in your head, uh, it's a completely different game. You know? so, but again, you, know, you do have to be careful not what you measure, but you have to be careful what you evaluate people mm -hmm. on. Like if it's, if it's just commits, you're going to get people with a ton of commits and their software won't, it won't improve. And the same thing with test coverage, you know, any monkey can write, you know, 100% unit test coverage and it's probably of low value. So, yeah. Yeah, the, that, that aspect of get, get, the, get the measures wrong. I mean, there's a, there's, there's a huge question of, um, the wrong measures, obviously, and therefore right. skewing behavior and that kind of Heisenbergian aspect to it. There's also a question of uh, just having measures and therefore feeling you're in a better place. Right. Um, you're not. <laughs> and so it's really, really important to have measures that are actually uh, of yeah. value and, and therefore you're measuring the measures ultimately. It gets a bit meta, but That's it right. needs to t you don't need to spend too long on it. Just just need to be sure that the measures are actually delivering. That's right. Uh, I mean, not all measures are the same. You know, you could say there's like a million different dimensions about this area that we're in right now, but I bet you only three or four of them are actually of any value to you and I. Mm -hmm. Like how mm -hmm. hot is it? How bright is it? You know, like that might be it. So. so do you have any contact or 
visibility onto the the customer facing side of things more and more recently actually because we've been we've been driving like one we've been trying to drive our quality up and that requires a lot of empathy you know so i spend a lot of time trying to talk to sales engineers and and you know hopefully customers and then this really is a year of innovation for sauce so we're really trying to find out you know what would you guys do if we gave you this or what do you want like what's missing what do you reach for when you use our product and just isn't there and and yeah, it's it's getting to be more. It was a little less when I started. So, so uh, where would you then position, in your experience, your customers in terms of DevOps in general, testing in general, and then Dev Test Ops, for want of a better term? That's uh, a really good question. It's it's much more of a wide scale than it was uh, when I started because we weren't going after the same kind of in, industrial scale customers, you know, and and. With a smaller shop, like you know, you might have a couple of people that are developers, and they're very technical, and they can write Selenium tests in their sleep, and you know, they they were really our kind of target market maybe mm -hmm. three or four years ago. Mm -hmm. Now mm -hmm. we're going after enterprises, and so enterprises, they were DevOps first, the kind of organizations anyway. A bank, I mean, good God, like just getting an organizational change for a, a company that's a hundred thousand people is like changing what a village thinks or a town, you know. Mm -hmm. So, and then also they tend to have a much. Uh, you know, they, they tend to be a little more siloed in terms of their technology. And then also, like, there can be a wide gamut of technical ability within that company. Plus, like, we're not always dealing with independent contributors anymore. Oftentimes, it's business people that we're selling to. So, mm -hmm. so it's, it's been interesting. You know, we've had to change our story and, and really kind of modulate, like, the, the audience that we were speaking to. So and what's the story now, then? What's the, what, what, what's the, what's the evolution of that um, in terms of... Let me, let me ask it a different way. When you speak to customers or when Source speaks to customers about the role of testing and the role of uh, um, making DevOps work better, yeah, how do those conversations tend to pan out? I mean, we're, we're getting really good at identifying where people are in this sort of scale of, of you know, like late adopter to, you know, like, like we've got it to uh, we're bleeding edge, we want to do the next thing, you know, mm -hmm. and, and really it's... It's kind of thinking about like what's going to make their lives better, and and there is a there is a part of telling people a story about okay you're here now, like you could be doing a lot more with a lot less resources if you kind of learn to advance. So let's let's help you kind of figure out how to do this automated thing that you've heard about, and uh -huh. and oh by the way let's find a way to make you uh, even though you're automated let's find a way to make it so your developers can run tests. It's not just you know the final touch, and uh -huh. Uh -huh. and it's it's very much a a kind of like partnership to try and figure out like how can we help them do what they're doing better and it's I, I like that part of it you know That's, we have a lot of respect for it. It's almost consulting led then. Is that too strong? Yeah I, I think we're not quite into business services yet. That's fine don't worry about that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah we're, we're not quite into professional services yet but we really do spend a lot of time with customers and we really do you know we send them technical resources when we go to to try and like create partnerships with them and, and these are people that are actual developers that also happen to be like really good with people and, and you know have good like uh, sales skills so it's it's an interesting approach but mm -hmm. it's also been really fun to watch Tucker and company develop that org too because you can just see it growing in this like very interesting way and yeah a lot of, lot of smart very like assertive people are. so where, where would you say um, uh, look at looking ahead mm -hmm. um, where would you say I'm, I'm trying to the reason I'm pausing and pausing is trying to avoid asking kind of uh, more business questions sure. I'm thinking more about maturity questions sure um, where would you say your customers are going to look to be 
once they start getting their heads around. I mean, it, let, let me yeah. let, let me start that again. Every, everyone, every organization, I think, without exception, wants to do DevOps. Oh, absolutely. That that's kind of yeah. that 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 question is not a question. Yeah. Uh, then the question is, how do they do it, and whether or not they're going to be successful. And uh, so when we talk about maturity questions, then it's about, well, we tried it and it worked to a level. And I'm seeing organizations that kind of falter at that point or then break through into, in, into making it broader. Yeah. So within all that as a context, <laughs> how, how do you see your relationships changing with your customers and uh, those conversations evolving? Oh, I mean, it, it really just depends on the specific customer, you know, because every, every org's journey is very different and, and they all have, you know, they all have different constraints. They're, they're probably classes of constraints, but they're all, they're all unique to that org. And, and for us, you know, like we, we believe what we give people is basically valuable and we believe that we can do it for them better than they can do it for themselves. So in that sense, we're really kind of, we're giving them a resource that saves them time. And then we're also very much advocating for, here's how you should push the envelope on that. But, you know, I mean, some, some places are these weird conundrums where it's not a linear path and, and they're, they're very ahead in some respects and then they're not at all ahead in other respects. And mm. we just really kind of try and find ways to like, like help them evolve as they need, you know. And Which there, isn't, there isn't any kind of standard ways that they're likely to be ahead or not? Everyone's different? Or I think they... everybody is different, yeah. I mean, because you, you have companies that might be, uh, they might be practicing uh, CI/CD, but they could have terrible test coverage, you know. They might be like truly cross-functional teams, but uh, they might only be deploying once a quarter or something like that. I mean, there's a lot of reasons why, um, you know, like it, it just might not look like as end state for them, you know. And, and also, I mean, to be honest, like you want to look at what problems like the whole DevOps philosophy is trying to solve. If they don't necessarily need to solve all of those problems like for themselves, eh, maybe it's okay. You know, mm -hmm. like and we're definitely not there to tell people what they should do. We're there to try and empower them and to kind of show them paradigms that could actually be better for them. And and you know, by the way, if we can if we can help them get there and if they can buy more sauce on top of that, that's awesome. You know, but but for us it's very important that they're they're just kind of advancing the canon, you know, mm -hmm. in, in the way that's authentic to them. So, so same question twice, mm -hmm. uh, and it's a kind of wrap-up question. Sure. So that's why I'll ask it twice. For yeah. yourself and for your customers, if you could wave the DevOps magic wand uh, for yourself first, in terms of uh, if you could have one thing right now that would make your life so much easier yeah. and advance things significantly, what would that be? So. The biggest thing that I would say is I would like to find a way to democratize the creation of automated testing in a way that is 10 times easier than how it is now. Because, mm -hmm. you know, you can, you can go find a tutorial on writing Selenium tests, but the truth is you're going to run into problems and they're related to the construction of Selenium as much as infrastructure and network speeds and things like that. And it would really be nice to sort of lower that bar to make it so more people are doing it and they're getting more benefit out of it. And it, it just... It doesn't need to be science. It should just be basic engineering, and I think it's not quite there yet. Mm -hmm. so. Is that AI, or is that, is that overstating? Uh... Yeah, I mean, AI is definitely an interesting element. You know, this idea that you could throw a robot at a site and it could just spider it and write you a suite, I think is, is that's a noble goal. But I, I, also think, <laughs> I also think, you know, languages are advancing, you know, and, and there's always going to be a place for cross-functional browser testing, but there are other paradigms that are coming up, like, like, you know, like Puppeteer and, and Espresso and things like that. And we really want to be open to them in terms of what they can bring to the table for the customer because mm -hmm. really what we are is this specialized cloud that helps you run any kind of functional testing. Like, we're not, 
we're not super, I mean, we definitely invest in things and we have horses in those races, but like we wanna make sure we're thinking ahead and, and it really is about how do we make your life easier? It's not mm -hmm. about like how do we double down on something because we've already invested in it, so. And would you answer the question the same way for your customers? So. I, yeah, definitely. I mean, because again, for us, like the, the happier they are and the more their experience is, is useful and, and frictionless, the better the relationship is and, and the more we will have enabled that both from a like real quality of life and joy perspective and then obviously you know it helps us keep the lights on because we're selling more vms and phones and things so, so. it's just uh, ultimately if only we could write tests faster it would really be a game changer is, and, is what and, it boils down to yeah and it's it's one of those things and better and it's one of those things that people really you know they're they're looking and they're seeking but there's no nothing really sits easily in the mind about how we're going to solve that problem mm -hmm. so it's it's kind of the task of the year, I suppose. Got one last question for Please. you. Um, talked a lot around, I mean, you mentioned the term shift left before, yes. you know, putting testing earlier into the cycle. Oh yeah. What about shift right? That depends on what you mean. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I think there's always, uh, there's always a need for like some kind of like complete user acceptance test, but really we've definitely seen, and we've seen for a lot of our customers that having a deep end-to-end -end testing framework is an anti-pattern, it's expensive, and it's very difficult to reproduce. So as you scale, you know, like if you're working at Google, you're not gonna get a whole copy of Google to run on your laptop, you know, like you're gonna get a bit of a search part piece that you might be working on and you need to stub things out. And if you have to get in an airplane or something and go 12 hours away, good luck running at all you know mm -hmm. so you really want to be very focused about you know how that works and that's why the shift left thing is important it doesn't change the fact that you know you still need user acceptance and and you know you still need to find ways to make sure that the whole thing kind of comes together but it we really mm -hmm. want to make that less important you know? mm -hmm. like it's yeah okay cool well that's uh, 25 minutes uh, straight through well thank you very much for your time yeah and, uh, I'll, uh, I'll let you know when it's up that's great anytime you want to do okay. it again please cheers thank you cheers if you enjoyed this episode of Voices in DevOps, please check out the other ones. Scaling DevOps for the Enterprise is the focus of a recent report John wrote for GigaOM Research. To find out more about how digital transformation strategy is evolving, download the single report or subscribe to GigaOM Research for future forward advice on IT operations and business strategies.